0: You do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Hannah. It'd be good to have uh, John... 13 open in front of you as we look at it together. <laughs> Shall we just take a moment to pray? God our Father, thank you for this special day for, for Godwin and joy and their baptism and we pray now as we look at this word together that we'll discover something of your love um, today, maybe f- afresh or maybe new to us tonight, for we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. I wonder if you have trouble fathoming I can't even say that word. Fathering. Fathering. Oh dear. Fathoming. fathoming. That's the word. Must be the cold. <laughs> Fathering. <laughs> Fath- <laughs> you get. You know the word. Trying to understand love. One of my favourite songs. Um, captures this notion. I think we all sense this difficulty in understanding love at times. Um, it's a song by um, uh, Florence and the Machine. I don't know whether you're familiar with, with Florence and the Machine. Um, it's called All This in Heaven Too, and uh, it has this lyric in it, which I find very interesting, because she's trying to to discover what this love is, to understand love, and it goes, um, and I would give all this in heaven too, I would give it all if only for a moment that I could just understand the meaning of the word you see because I've been scrawling it forever but it never makes sense to me at all. We understand that notion, don't we, of understanding, trying to understand what love is about. And tonight as we um, have seen the the baptism, as we think about Christ's death and resurrection... And as we've had this reading, John shows us clearly what love is about. So it can make sense to us, as uh, Florence wrote. Let's just remind ourselves a moment, just back up a bit. Um, Jesus and his disciples are now in Jerusalem. They're about to celebrate the Passover meal. He arrives in the city with great fanfare, great expectation about being a new king. The disciples are, on one hand, very excited, full of expectation. But Jesus, on the other hand, knew what was coming, doesn't he? He knows that he's heading towards Calvary. And so in these last hours, what does Jesus say? And more importantly, what does Jesus do to give us this example of love so that we can understand, fathom love? He gives them this incredible example, doesn't he? Verse 1, John says, Having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus now showed them the full extent of his love. Three things to, to get us thinking about what this love is about. This What I want to call this kneeling love. A kneeling love that washed feet. What is this kneeling love? First, first of all, it's about humility. The disciples must have been really shocked at what was going on. It's hard for us to... To to get that, because we're so used to this story. He took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Jewish servants never did this, and uh, um, uh, Gentile servants would hardly do this at all either. It was such a lowly thing to do. And yet Jesus here did it. Even more remarkable, as we think actually about who Jesus is, Verse 3 tells us that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God. This is God here. It's remarkable. Jesus, who was from God, who, who um, put flung stars into space, now picks up a towel and a, base, a basin. Great humility. Great humility. We like... We, like the disciples, I think, need to learn that aspect, don't we, in our Christian lives, about the lesson of humility. Because often we're full of, of pride, seeking to show ourselves actually as bigger and puffed up and better than anybody else. And Jesus shows us this kind of kneeling love, this humility. So that's the first thing. The second thing here is endurance. Kneeling love endures. Right at the beginning of the reading, it says, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. The time had come. Think about it for a moment. Jesus was about to die. And yet he was incredibly focused, wasn't he? Incredibly enduring. He had this kind of focus and staying power, staying on the job, as it were. He was, in a sense, kind of incredibly self-forgetful. He's about to die. Would you be thinking about washing people's feet when you're about to die? And yet he serves the disciples. It has been well said that humility is not thinking little of yourself. It's simply not thinking of yourself at all. This kind of self-forgetfulness, I think, is so unnatural to us. I know this for myself. I know how how I find it difficult to, to remain focused. I often think about how um, Hannah's noticed this after 13 years of marriage, that when I'm faced with a particular difficult task, perhaps I'm, I'm facing a sermon on Sunday that's maybe a bit tricky or something, I get very distracted by it, especially on my day off on the Saturday. It can be very hard to... Um, she can tell that I'm sort of thinking about it when I perhaps should be thinking about the children and thinking about spending time with her. Um, I'm mulling it over and I'm chewing it over to the extent that I forget to focus on, on what's important, my children and my family. When we're faced with difficult tasks, I think we're often the same, aren't we? We're absorbed by it. We're self-absorbed. And we cannot think about anything else. But yet here Jesus is the night before he's going to be betrayed and killed. And he's not like that at all, is he? He's not self-absorbed at all. He, He is focused on the situation of others in front of him. Incredible love. Incredible kind of kneeling love in the face of such a great ordeal. So Jesus shows us not only humility, but a kneeling love that endures. Thirdly, he shows us that kneeling love forgives verse 12 says when he finished washing their feet he put on his clothes and returned to his place I wonder if you've ever noticed in this passage that he washes all the disciples feet all of them that includes Judas, doesn't it? it's got to have included Judas he washes Judas' feet here who was about to betray him. Jesus shows us love that even kneels and loves the unlovable here. He knows that Judas is the traitor and yet he still shows love towards him. He also knows that Peter is going to deny him three times and yet he still shows love towards him. But we also must note that John is careful here to point out that Peter and Judas were in a different relationship to Jesus, with Jesus. (coughs) Judas had not been bathed all over as Peter had. Judas was not saved, but Jesus still showed love, still showed him love in washing his feet. It reminds me of actually that Jesus putting into practice his very own words from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, where he said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Such a challenging thing, isn't it? To love like this. Just as Jesus showed incredible love to Jesus and Peter, we too, if we're followers of Jesus, show that same love. It's a greatly challenging passage. I think we often are tempted to withhold love, even in our church, from those who maybe irritate us or annoy us in church. I'm sure no one has ever got irritated and annoyed with somebody in church. But it does happen, doesn't it, really? And yet we're to show love as Christ loved his enemies. And notice again, it's feet. Why feet? Well, as we know, surveys tell us that feet are the most unattractive part of the body. Uh, I was conscious, and I was standing up there, I was conscious of my feet, not the the shorts. (laughs) Shorts didn't bother me. At all. Jesus washes the unattractive parts, doesn't he? The unlovable parts. This shows us that he serves despite who we are. The washing shows us that Jesus is full of forgiveness, full of forgiveness for the unlovable, the unattractive. That is kneeling love, isn't it, right there? Willing to forgive, to endure. And to show humility. But let's just step back for a moment and think a little bit more about this kneeling love. This kneeling love. How do we cultivate this kind of kneeling love? Because we might be sitting there thinking, okay, Eddie, I know that. But how do we actually, how, do we, how does this come about? Well, the passage tells us we will love like this if we let Jesus serve us First. We need to receive this kind of kneeling love. In verses 6 to 11, Jesus comes to wash Peter's feet. You know it's the story well. (coughs) Verse 6, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Verse 8, he says, no, you shall not wash my feet. Peter incredibly is rebuking Jesus, isn't he? Jesus responds in verse 8, Unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Now for me this really gets, I think, to the crux of of this passage really. The heart of it. In, In many ways it can be easy to show love to others. In many ways it can be easy to show love to others. But it's even harder, isn't it, to receive love. Yes, it takes humility, endurance and forgiveness to show love to others. But it takes even more humility to allow someone to serve you, to admit that you require help, that you need somebody to kneel and show you love. I mean, most of us like to pretend that we're fine don't we? We like to pretend that we're fine, that we've got everything together, that we're, help, we're capable people and we hate to depend on others. That's every bit of sin, isn't it? As not serving others. It's called pride. Jesus shows us in this passage if we try to stand on our own feet, we can have no part of him. We cannot stand before God and pretend we don't need him to serve us pretending that we're somehow self-sufficient, that we've got everything together, that we're capable people. If we do that, we can have no part of him. We need to allow Jesus to cleanse us, to wash us. We need to allow him to serve us. We need to receive him. You see, we'll only love, like we've just been talking about, we only love like Jesus when we realize that Jesus loves us First and served us first, and got nothing out of it. He valued us so highly that he wanted to serve us, even in our ugliness and in our sin. He washed our feet, he washed our sins away. He was even willing to die for us to make us clean. Only when we realize that will we be able to love like Jesus loves. You need to see it demonstrated to you. You need to receive it. Maybe you haven't ever received Jesus' kneeling love. You've never received it for yourself, like Joy and Godwin. You need a bath. And the best place to find out more is to come along to one of our courses or talk to a friend that you're here with. The Case for Christ course is going to be starting looking at who Jesus is and what he's done. But maybe we are followers of Jesus. To love with humility, endurance, and forgiveness, we still need, don't we, daily, even hourly, to allow Jesus to come and wash our feet. We need to receive his kneeling love, his grace. You see, Peter said, no, you shall never wash my feet. But Jesus <coughs> says, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. I wonder whether you, you, what you consider the main reason most people can't find God? You often hear don't you, how to find God kind of books and sometimes maybe you've even thought that yourself what's the main reason most people can't find God? Have a think about that for a moment I think it's the complete reverse of what you might be thinking why is most people can't find God it's because people are searching often in the wrong place in fact, if you, if you look in Job chapter 11, you can look at it later, um, it says there that, can, it asks the question, can you, by searching, find the Almighty? Can you, by searching, find the Almighty? And the answer is, is saying no. People think the reason we can't find God is because he's somehow distant or too far away. He's too high and too up there, out of our reach. Rather like that song, that horrible song by Bette Midler, God is watching us from a distance. Do you know that one? I know Nathan knows it. He's laughing. <laughs> that's how we view God. It's kind of somehow up there. But that's not true, is it, in this passage? The Bible says the reason you can't find God is he's too close and he's too low, he's at your feet. He's in your face. God's not like some oracle who can only speak in riddles, so you have to be a genius to unravel the code and get it. God's not some guru at the top of the mountain that you can only be found, who can only be found by what, by those who are heroes and brave enough to go up the mountain and scale the heights, a sort of Indiana Jones-type figure. No, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ has come down He's come down into your face, at your feet. He's died for you. And he says, Now would you give yourself to me as I have given myself to you? Peter can't figure this out. We often can't figure it out. He doesn't yet realize he needs a dying Savior. We all need a dying Savior. He doesn't realize he, need, he has a need a foot-washing saviour. Do you find that he, Sometimes people say, you know, I find the idea of Jesus dying a difficult idea. Um, that somehow the idea that Jesus paid are your penalty so that you could be accepted by God, sometimes people find that difficult or sometimes they find it repulsive maybe you feel like that. Well, we sometimes step there and say, well, I'm not that bad. I don't believe God would, would do that. But our problem is that the reason we can't find God is because Jesus is not too far away and not too high up. He's too near. He's too low. The way to find God, is, in a sense, is not to look up, but to look down. The way to find God is to see that you were so sinful and weak and helpless that he had to come and die for you. He had to come and wash your feet. He had to do that. He had to go low. He had to kneel down in front of you and he had to serve you. Kneeling love, that's what this is about. Being committed to someone else's greatness and glory Kneeling love is not necessarily to to please a person, to make them happy in a moment. Kneeling love is to sacrifice whatever is necessary to give somebody what they need for their lasting greatness and glory. And that's what Jesus does. I I came across um, a poem by George Herbert. Who's heard of George Herbert? Probably not that many. He was a poet, English poet, poet. An Anglican minister. <laughs> and um, the idea of Jesus Christ, he, in a poem um, called Love, he, he grapples with the idea of Jesus Christ being an innkeeper. Uh, and in those days, an, an innkeeper, uh, their job was um, simply to serve you. That's, and in a sense, we, we kind of get that idea. And so Herbert, um, in this poem, imagines this conversation going on of a guest arriving at the inn to be served by the innkeeper. And so the innkeeper's job is to serve. And Jesus Christ is that innkeeper in this poem. And the innkeeper is called love. The innkeeper is called love. Listen to this, um, this poem I hope it makes sense. I think it really speaks powerfully um, to this whole kneeling love. And we'll end here. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love observed me grow slack from my first entrance in drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Lord said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful, ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, And eat. We must sit down and taste and eat and let the Lord Jesus, who is love, serve us. Amen.